Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 194 of Korea Podcast. Our today's guest is Mr. Jonathan Lampel. He's a 3D artist and also a Blender instructor from Seattle, United States. And of course, before we jump into the questions and all the signature questions that I ask everyone, I need to quickly mention in the four contact section in the captions, you can find IT to his Instagram, the link to his art station, Twitter, and personal website. And of course, there's going to be a bunch of other things we're going to talk about as well. He has made a, he has made a bunch of courses for CG Cookie as well. And we're going to talk extensively about that as well. And because I know a lot of people who like, if you're watching this, you're probably interested in Blender, like, you know, tutorial and just, you know, education. So we're going to talk about it as well. And with with that introduction out of the way, let's, let's jump into the first question I ask everyone. Give us a little introduction on how we got into the world of visual arts and design. Basically, tell us the story of, you know, um, how you decided to become an artist. Sure. I actually didn't think about this until pretty recently where I always thought it was something that I kind of picked up in high school um, and went from there. But I actually remembered that when I was in early elementary school, um, I would sit on the computer and draw in Microsoft Paint and just make a little like stick figure drawings and then throw them into, uh, what was it, like Movie Maker and then just make super like short choppy animations. So I guess I was interested in animation pretty early on. But I never like did anything with it. Um, I just thought like, oh, I kind of like drawing and I like computers and like Photoshop and stuff. Um, but then, yeah, later on in, in high school, I just kind of found 3D software and thought it was extremely cool. And some of my friends wanted to make a game. And so I thought, oh, I'll make like some characters and stuff and uh, opened up Blender at the time and could not figure out how to do anything and <laughs> didn't end up making them any characters for the game. But um I just stuck with it because I thought it was extremely fun to just push shapes around and make weird little simulations and um, just kind of stuck with it from there. All right. Awesome. And well, I mean, of course, you gave us a little like, you know, recap of like, you know, how it happened. But I was wondering, like, you know, when you were in high school and, you know, usually, you know, around those years are the years that everyone starts to, you know, think about their future and the college majors and stuff like that. How was it like for you? I didn't really see it as a career um at first like it wasn't until i decided where i wanted to go to college that i thought like okay maybe i should i should try this out um but i really thought i would go into some sort of like engineering or if not that um my second choice was um like um to become like a therapist or something uh so like two very different things but then i started doing a little bit of freelance stuff in in high school um and that kind of convinced me like, oh, maybe I could actually make this into a job. Um, and if it doesn't work out, then I'll just go back to school for something else and it'll be fine. But so I, I did go to college specifically for computer graphics, but um, I just kind of figured like, oh, I'll, I'll just do this temporarily. And then it just continued working out from there and I never had to go back. Awesome. And um all right. Now, speaking of Blender and just 3D art and CG art, like in general, I was wondering, like, you know, not in terms of general, but like in particular, like, you know, specialization and which branch of design do you particularly see yourself focusing, you know, these days recently and not just, you know, recently, like, you know, in general as uh, an artist, you know, which, you know, position describes you best? Like, are you more into texturing? Are you more into modeling or are you just a generalist, you know? Um, I really like modeling. I feel like that's probably my my core. And then I really like layout as well. Um, just 
positioning things in the world and getting the right camera angles and, and things like that, I find that really fun. Yeah. And, uh, like, yeah, actually like funny enough, like did literally today, like six hours ago, I had another podcast with someone who was like a composition and lighting artist. And, uh, yeah, we were talking about composition a lot actually, and like layout and composition and stuff. Yeah. Like it's kind of interesting to me that how CG and 3D, like not just 3D art, like CG art has developed so much in the past couple of years that a lot of like, you know, people like get into it pretty young and they become professionals at it at you know pretty young ages you know and um i mean the, the most famous one was uh, i forgot his name the the 16 year old kid that was on andrew price's podcast as well which he's like super oh, great at um, uh, mason i think his name was something else I forgot, like, he, he's, he's super good at Blender and stuff, but, like, there was another person who I saw, like, on Twitter, like, he was 20, and he was, like, lead, lead, like, listen, lead senior <laughs> compositing artist at Bungie. And I was like, oh, oh man. Yeah, like, seriously. And, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, exactly. But it's also, like, a beautiful thing as well, because, like, it, it's with everything, not just with art, like, you know, as... The information becomes available and everything gets advanced you see like young talents and just young stars and everything right right now these days like let's like in chess in martial arts in art and especially like in particular in art and just i'm, I'm not even talking about visual arts um but just arts in general music and art and it, it it's something really interesting you know and mm-hmm. I, I you just keep you just can't stop but think you know when when is the world like are we going to see like you know in the next generations like nine ten year olds who are like super good at blender and make you know cool <laughs> stuff you know that's gonna be wild like honestly the next decade is gonna be crazy oh yeah it'll be it'll be really fun to see yeah exactly and um there's something you know i also need to ask you as well like you know when we're like let's say a piece you're doing in blender whether it be environment but or asset or problem i mean of course you know the processes are are way vastly different you know i mean the two literally two examples i just gave but in general you know what how does your design process usually go anytime you want to you know work on a new piece like basically what steps uh, do you take from you know start to finish when you want to work on a piece i feel like it's a pretty standard process of like first looking up some reference and then um doing a general block out and then i'll do quite a lot of tweaking generally on the block out, uh, just with extremely simple shapes and then kind of mash them around until I have something that like looks like kind of the form that I'm looking for. Um, so that's where I get most of the like composition set. And then I'll do like a little bit of lighting during then because that kind of goes hand in hand with how everything's laid out. And then once I have that, then I'll go through and just detail each piece, do the modeling, um, then UV unwrapping and texturing and so on and so forth. Um, and yeah, pretty pretty standard workflow, I feel like. But usually the like good ideas kind of come out in the middle of that. I don't have like a fully formed thing going into it. Uh, it's usually, yeah, somewhere somewhere on the middle where things start to click together. All right. And um, here's an interesting question that I always get really, you know, fun answers out of people, which is what was the first art job paycheck you ever got and what was it for? And how did you feel at the time when you got it? Basically the first ever paycheck we got out of art. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the first time I got paid for something was I had already created a, a picture, a render, and 
I created it for a contest. Um, but somebody found it online and wanted to use it as a book cover. And so they paid me to like make a, a different like sized version of it um, and send it for their for their book. Um, and that was kind of fun because they like printed it out and I got to see it like hold it in my hands and uh, see the, the finished product. And so I, I felt really good about that. All right. And all right, we've went through our first batch of like, you know, questions. But now let's talk about the main thing we wa I wanted to like personally, you know, talk to you about. And a lot of you are probably here for that, which is, you know, let's talk about Blender and all the other good stuff that comes out of it. But of course, you know, be, I, I already mentioned in the introduction and I'm going to say it again. In the captions, you can find the link to the cgcookie.com instructor Jonathan Lampel's profile which you can see all the courses he did he did a lot of like interesting courses you know for you if you want to check like you don't know like it's just from everything from animating first person character weapon to you know fundamentals of lighting fundamentals of texturing in blender which actually I think you did a demo for YouTube as well for that as well the motorcycle and the, oh yeah yeah I think you did it for the how to model complex objects one because I remember I saw that like a couple of months ago and uh, yeah, it was it was really interesting for me as well, and really useful. And like, yeah, there's oh, so many you. cool. Yeah, there's there's really cool things you can check out, you know. So if you're really interested in that and you want to invest in some, you know, courses, you can definitely check this out. And the links in the captions below. But all right. So how has Blender been? How has working? How how does it feel to work with you know a piece of software? I mean, I'm not just talking about Blender, but of course, in your case, it's Blender. For, a, for nearly a decade, you know, from like, how does it feel from, you know, when you started, when you, you probably started, it wasn't as popular as, as it is today, but then seeing mm. it, seeing it boom and grow, like, you know, how's the whole journey been for you? Well, I'm really glad that it's grown and been like a positive thing. Um, Cause I, <laughs> it would be really unfortunate to get started with a piece of software and then just see it die over time. Um, and that could have easily happened. Um, I mean, the first like painting applications I was using was like GIMP and and stuff, and um, like definitely have not been able to stick with with other apps that long. Um, so it's been really fun to see it grow, but also um, it it keeps it interesting because it's always changing. Uh, there's constantly updates every every like three months or something. Um, so. On one hand, it's nice to have something that I'm very familiar with that I know the ins and outs of, like the keyboard shortcuts are, are second nature. Um, but also I have to be on my toes and like constantly relearning things. Um, it would be kind of cool to like, I don't know, know the exact same piece of software and just be, just know it, exactly what something is and how to use every aspect of something um, and have it just not change and you get so used to it. but that has like a limited um like I don't, I don't think that can happen for very many people nowadays because everything's constantly changing anyway um so i don't know it's it's nice to be able to be familiar with it but also have have new things to play with pretty often yeah pretty much and um in terms of like you know the future of Blender, how where do you see it? Like you know, in terms of like features, main features that they're going to add, like aside from add-ons and like you know third-party software that's been developed for it, but like Blender right now is like a really Swiss Army knife of a software right now, and you can do a lot of stuff to like a really high quality degree in it. 
But this is like, you know, developing in branches into other branches of like, let's say, for example, have very basic, like, you know, um, game engine compatibilities in it later for game for rapid game development testing and all that stuff. Would you, do you think that is something that's going to be developed or not just that? I mean, that's just a wild thought. But uh, how do you see the future of it going? Because I don't think one of, I think one of the main strongest points of Blender, aside from like everything, a lot of things that people are like, you know, happy about, I think it's like the node system, especially the geometry nodes, which is, you know, something really unique and just amazingly powerful that you don't see it, you know, much in other softwares. But I want to see, you know, from your point of view, from someone who's been using it, from someone who's an instructor of Blender, what do you think about it? I think its main strength is its speed, I guess, of iteration. So I'd say its its core is probably in um, modeling and just iterating on ideas. And the grease pencil really fits into that. And I've seen that start being used in um, a lot of different like indie studios and stuff uh, because they can, you know, just draw straight in 3D and then combine that with their 3D objects and it all just kind of mashes together. Um, so I see it first growing in that area for like concept iteration and uh, just creating, um, I don't know, just general 3D layouts and, and blockouts and things like that. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if it just continues going in that direction, um, especially with the real-time stuff when it comes to EV and they're like making a new version of EV. Um, that'll be hopefully even more real-time um, and allow some some pretty cool things. So um, anything that has to do with like speed of getting something done. Um, so probably a little bit in like virtual production uh, where you have to just import some assets and then just render it out in real-time. Um, I could, I could see it going in, in that direction. Um, I, I don't think it's trying to like overtake any um, other like game engine. I don't, I don't think it wants to become a game engine. And also with like the node stuff, it's very powerful already, but it's also not trying to be Houdini. Like they're, it, they're very clear about like what they, what they want to do. And it's not quite that. So it's kind of like an in-between um, for anybody that is... I don't know, just trying to get something done really fast, uh, I think is what it's going to continue growing f- towards. All right. And I'm I'm really, just my memory is, has been really bad recently, but I don't remember, but I saw this news, piece of news, like I think a week or two weeks ago that I think it was Pixar or another city that they're going open source with one of their, you know, render engines. Oh, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I kind of forgot to. I forgot the details. Like it's all hazy in here, but there. But I saw in the comments and like some Reddit posts that people are like speculating that they might like you know integrate it into like a into the next major Blender update, and you can see some like wild you know creations that people are gonna do with it. Of course, I mean, of course, I think it's kind of available right now to like download and try it out because it's as it's, it's gotten open source and stuff, but they want to see like you know just be integrated to the software like you know ev and cycles and all that stuff you know what do you think about that that would be pretty cool i think so pixar has RenderMan, um which has been around for a bit and you can already use it in blender um they they actually um, had an add-on for it a few years ago um and it's pretty fun and there's like a bunch of other render engines that you can use but i I know the news that you were talking about, and I can't remember the name of that one in particular, but it, was, it wasn't it was RenderMan. 
I can't I can't think of it either. Um, it was something else I can't remember it either. Yeah, because Render Man's not today. open source. Like it's free, but it's not it's not open source. Um, I can't think of it, but yeah, that would be very cool. I mean, any extra options are are always cool, um, and it'd be nice to have you know other other renderers available. Of course, that like increases the download size and like whatever. So you have to kind of balance that out. But um, that'd be sweet. Like there's a, another community developed render engine specifically for like non-photorealistic stuff that I don't know if it'll ever be included in Blender, but they're like kind of working towards that. Um, so there's there's lots of projects like that around and it's always exciting to see. Yeah, definitely. And um, here's the thing, like, like, let me give you like a pretty like you know subjective experience of mine with blender and just 3d in general um i'm, I'm gonna keep it short i'm not gonna tell a long story don't worry <laughs> but the, but it's it's a it's a really interesting thing and I, I i'm personally like interested like you know in people's like starting journeys but in this case because since you're like you're really experienced you know blender um instructor i think it would be interesting for you as well um, so basically the first time I got into, introduced to Blender, like, you know, technically if I'm trying to be correct, was in 2019 or something, uh, I checked it out. And at the time I, I didn't have any plans to become a 3D artist. So I really didn't go after it. I, I think I downloaded it once and just opened it. And I was like, Bleh! and I just, because everything was like, too complicated for me. And I think it was an update to like 2.79 or something, you know, before the whole UI overhaul of like 2.8. Mm-hmm. And, um, then fast forward like two years later, I decided to do it again. And guess what? Anyone who downloads Blender and does a little bit of Google search does after they have the software, the donut tutorial. Yes, I tried to do it. And it was, I think, the second donut tutorial. And after two episodes, I got so frustrated because I kept getting like weird things because I was a complete noob at the time. Hmm. And uh, and by the way, do keep in mind that at the time, my whole uh, focus was on becoming like an illustrator, like uh, for fashion and just graphic design and all that stuff. Like I've been all over the place these past couple of years, but it's been recently that I've been managed to get my focus, you know, in, in place so I can just focus on a single thing and I found my passion. But here's the thing. Then after that, then here's what happened. I got frustrated. But then literally at, at the end of 2021 and the start of this year, I download the Blender again. And this time I was like, I don't like tutorials. I don't like donut tutorials. I'm not gonna go go after it, you know. I did some like, you know, quick sketches on Photoshop, like you know, rough sketches of like, you know, ideas, doodling, and I got this, you know, really um interesting shape, like a spaceship. I got out of this doodling I did, and I was like, hmm, imagine if I could make that in 3D. That would be awesome. I would do mm. like in my head. And I was like, all right, I guess Blender is here, so I, it's on my task proceeding, so I should use it probably someday. <laughs> and here's the thing. Something really interesting happened, and I realized that, like, and I've been just trying to apply that principle in my other stuff as well. I decided... Like, so my whole focus was to try to replicate that spaceship, you know, of course, not exactly because I couldn't, of course, but as close as I can, you know, and so all my Google searches and everything was like goal centric. It wasn't like tutorial centric. And Mm -hmm. during those times, I mean, of course, I did, I think, watch a seven, eight minutes with you on how to work with the UI of the software because I was like that far off. And... um, so yeah, after like two, three days of struggle, I, and I I did like the first, you know, solid, um, just the whole um, solid view of the mesh of the thing that I wanted to do, 
like without any textures or anything. And I was like, whoa, I did that. And I added the light and I was like, it's like a monkey playing with like a Rubik's cube or something. It literally like that. I was amazed by every single thing I used to do. And um, the thing was I, was, I got so motivated for that. And I was like, all right, what is texturing? I searched the texturing. I was like, holy shit, the whole, what are these nodes and edges? I got so like, you know, <laughs> intimidated. So yeah. what I learned was there was, I was like, hmm, there's, already made shaders you can use hmm? so i think i f- i found someone's like you know free free to use of course you know shaders and i applied that and i was like whoa i actually made something in 3d and like because here's the thing you know, before that i then try to like you know learn and get good at like 2d art and photoshop and just become an environment concept artist and like here's the thing i i do believe talent exists like i mean yeah sure i mean everyone can become good at anything if they put their mind to it. I'm not saying that's not possible. I mean, of course, I mean, that's like a given, but I think talent exists. I think, and personally for me, I think I'm way more talented in 3D than 2D because my brain, since I was a kid, like just imagined everything in 3D. You know, I just imagined everything very in 3D and I always thought that was normal, but that wasn't apparently for everyone. And um, after that, I was, I got so motivated. I was like, all right, I'm going to give 3D a shot. I've done like graphic design. I've got like fashion design. I've done like all, all of these things all over the place. Why not 3D? You know, what's going to happen? You know, what's the worst? <laughs> and I did. And it was literally one of my, the best decisions I've ever made. So I try, I try to muster up the courage and discipline to actually go through the 16 part. And funny enough, at the same time I was having this decision, Andrew Price updated his donut tutorial, which is the third donut tutorial. And I did that as well. It was really hard for me, like mentally to just, in terms of mental energy to actually go through that. Because the thing is, I kind of have like really bad ADHD as well. So sitting through tutorials is kind of like hell for me. Um, I like those that, I I like the tutorials that have, that they just go straight to the point. But, you know, sometimes when you have to learn something, you actually have to put in the work of the boring fundamentals to actually get good at the other stuff. So yeah, it's always that, you know, hard part at first to get over that basic fundamentals. But yeah, I pushed through it and I I made the donut animation. I was like, whoa, and <laughs> like every other single Blender user. And yeah, and after that, it was history. And I, and, and here's the thing, I've been, pro- and I've been tracking my 3D journey since this year. So everything I've learned, everything I've done, it's in a like journal. And every, like, just as also as a backup memory, because I might, you know, watch a tutorial and I learn something from it. And then, like, a couple of projects later, I might want to reuse it again. So I just have it on the journal. I'm just, oh, I think I did that again that day, you know? And it's been going on, and I've been tracking my every single renders, just not renders, like every single piece I do. And I've been, and I've experimented in, like, you know, multiple um, different things just to, you know, get the good amount of knowledge and experience from all all the fields and um then later on i kind of branched out and i realized i really like hard surfaces and so i bought the course by Galeb alexandrov and i ah I forgot the other inst- instructor's name and uh, yeah i think yeah why do why do i forget stuff these days i'm sorry but yeah i, I bought his course and th- there was a really good kit patch you know pack on it and so i i i watched a lot of the tutorials but Again, the tutorials were uh, really good, but the thing is I didn't have the patience to go through every single one of them and make their final result. But instead, I, I watched a lot of the videos randomly. You know, I learned a lot. And I, I got a, like the kit by set. So, and from that point, I did a lot of hard surface design. And right now I've been like, it's been like two, three weeks that I've been on a kind of a sabbatical or a break, if you will. 
from a lot of things, not just art. And I'm just been trying to reassure myself mentally. And my next goal is to go for a stylized, like, you know, um, artwork, that type of stuff. And because that's something that I really enjoy. And that's the thing that's the main focus for a lot of, like, you know, these mobile game studios these days all over the world. And um, yeah, that's where I'm today in terms of art, art, like 3D art journey. And I, of course, I mean, I've done it all with Blender as well. And, um, but the main takeaway I want to, I want to say, and the reason I said this, and I hope to anyone who's watching, they haven't like clicked off the video because of me rambling. But the thing is, um, if you want to learn Blender and you, and you're like me, you have ADHD, you get bored easily, you get discouraged by tutorials, like great tutorials, by the way, I'm not saying that any tutorial I mentioned are bad or anything, but the thing is try to, and not just with 3D everywhere, if you want to do anything that it that it seems too daunting try to make it goal centric and let make the goal something that you want for example for me at the beginning to gain the momentum was to make the spaceship concept i did so i was like all right I'm, I'm, how to make pipes in blender oh i can just make a curve and just extrude the bevels or something to get make it like a pipe shape you know and just all this sim- simple phrase i googled like a lot of stuff and i dude i was so bad at blender that i was like i wanted to put my scene in like a extraterrestrial type of planet so what i did i took like a concept art i googled mars concept art and i took a jpeg and i had to google how to make that the texture on a plane and that's how i was trying to make it like look like that it was on an extraterrestrial planet so but even though you you learn a lot of stuff when you do things goal-centric instead of like you know all right i need to watch this part of the tutorial and to watch this part of the tutorial like that's also a good, I think, um, approach to learning and just do anything. Like right now, as I said, like I'm doing the a style of art stuff and my goal is to publish my own like, you know, Android game. And I've just, I've been tracking everything here. So, and I have to learn Unity actually. So what, oh, I, nice. so what yeah. I'm doing is, you know, I'm, I, I want to do a style of art. I want to learn Unity. So my goal is to make a game. So everything I'm going to do is going to be centered around that. It's the same as this. Instead of like, you know, watching a Unity tutorial so I can get good at Unity. No, I'm just going to make a goal and just go for it. And it's simple enough. The game is going to be light. So it's not that much of a daunting task that I couldn't, you know, handle. And mm. this has been my journey in like Blender and 3D and it's still ongoing. I mean, unfortunately, I've been kind of off like art for like two, three weeks, but I'm going to be back at it soon again. And do you have like, you know, any suggestions or just comments about the whole approach I just mentioned? I mean, I think it's seems like the right way to go. Um, I definitely relate to that when it comes to having something be goal centric. Uh, I don't actually remember what it was that got me to stick on Blender. Um, I, I don't know what it was that I wanted to make. I really can't remember that. Um, but I really relate to that when it comes to like programming because I was like sort of introduced to that like a little bit in high school and I had like one college class that was like kind of had some JavaScript in it. But you couldn't like pay me to watch <laughs> a coding tutorial. Like I had zero interest in it whatsoever. And I always thought like in the back of my mind, like, oh, this is something that I should learn. It's like, it's right there. Um, but I had no desire whatsoever to do it. Um, even though I like thought it was interesting, thought it'd be helpful for my career or whatever, but could not find any motivation. Um, and it wasn't until like I actually had something that I like wanted to make that I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to like figure out how to make it. Um, and if that involves a little bit of coding, okay, I'll do that. Um, but it was only having that goal and being like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go straight there um, and involving lots of Google searching and, and whatnot. Uh, that was the only thing that 
got me to even get started with that in the first place. So I, I definitely relate to it in that regard. Like a good way I could, you know, make an analogy is like, you know, you want to go from point A to point B in like a rainforest jungle. So there's a couple of ways, you know, you have the goal in mind, you know, from going point A to point B. So you could go to like a survival boot camp and learn all the necessary things that you need so you can do everything by fundamentals, which is great. And you kind of should do that, you know, but the, the other way is just take a machete and just hack your way through. I mean, you're going to get some bunch of bruises or infections along the way, but it's still you get to the point and it's kind of more fun. You know, that, that's the way I would you know, describe this whole, you know, uh, attitude towards learning as well. I think so, too. I think that's exactly a good way to picture it, though. Hopefully with learning 3D and, and learning other stuff, there's um, less less chance of uh, just death um, would be good. But so we, we have that added benefit. I don't know if you've ever gotten lost in jungle before, but um, I, I did one time and it was uh, a little scary. I did not have a machete. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think jungles in Northwest Pacific you don't need the machete you i think you need a gun because I, if i'm not wrong there's a lot of like you know wild animals and wild shit going on there and yeah a lot of bears right um i mean there's definitely bears and and stuff it's mostly like i don't know brambles and stuff you can't really like walk through that much um so i don't know you could get lost and you'd probably be fine um i was thinking of one time i was in in costa rica and that's when i got lost uh so it was like a jungle jungle um but it was it was only for part of a day i ended up being fine but um yeah just getting lost in general is a good analogy of like okay i want to get over here and it's never going to be a straight path you're going to wind around and be like oh there's a hill i can't i can't just climb up this like it's too slippery guess i gotta go around and then once you go around it's like then you find another challenge and then you just kind of like eventually wind your way towards the right spot yeah definitely and but oh my god like you know when you when you said i, I was lost in jungle i was like oh right, jungle north pacific west is must in this order then you said costa rica i was like whoa like a tropical jungle <laughs> no 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 thank you thank you i'm out yeah and Listen, learned. <laughs> yeah all right now i want to ask you something like who are some of your you know favorite you know um blender instructors and just youtubers as well you know let's let's give a shout out to some some people while we're at this topic and also tell us about uh, your some of your favorite artists and designers. I mean, not just about Blender in general that have inspired the most. Sure. Um, I mean, as far as like Blender tutorial people, uh, I mean, the first person that I learned a ton from was Jonathan Williamson, who is my boss. But <laughs> I uh, started learning from him and he doesn't do anything with, with Blender anymore. Hasn't for several years. Um, but I learned a ton just from watching his videos and a lot of them are still floating around on, on YouTube. Um, and then also my coworker, Kent Trammell, like I have huge respect for, he makes some incredible stuff. Um, I don't know if you saw any of his renders of just like close up human faces of just the incredible detail that was put into there. Um, his, his work always blows me away. Um, and then the, the folks that you mentioned that you bought the hard service course from, uh, AD and Gleb, both like, incredible they do a really good job and also they're they're really um intentional about like how they teach too so they do a really good job of making sure that you learn something um so those would be those would be my top favorites all right now speaking of you know learning about people and stuff like i put a question box you know question box you know into my story you know with people i wanted to ask any questions and um wealthy hobo gfx asks 
nice username. What are some <laughs> good methods for learning and improving? I mean, I feel like you covered that earlier when it comes to just having something that you want to make and then learning whatever it takes to, to get there. Um, so it's like, oh, I want to make a spaceship. All right, what do I got to do? I got to model it first. That's the first step. I Even if everything beyond that is just a complete unknown, it's okay, at least know how to start. How do I model? How do I how do I push these things around? Um, so yeah, I think I think you already answered that nicely. All right, awesome. And what are you working on right now that you can tell us about? I mean, what kind of project is it? I mean, of course, if there's NDAs involved, we can we can skip right past this question. But if that's not the case, what are you doing right now? Sure, I'm working on a couple things. Uh, one of them, I'm working on a full course on geometry nodes, so that's kind of fun. Um, that'll I think it'll come out early November-ish. Um, I'm mostly done with it. I just need to do a little bit of editing and a little bit more recording. So I'm definitely excited for that. Um, that'll be kind of my first like deep dive into it. And then um, I'm also working on some plugins. So right now it's maintaining existing plugins, but all of the, the plugins that CG Cookie has made over, over the years have kind of been transferred to like a new company or like a, a sub company. Um, so I'm working over there and just kind of fixing up some old, old stuff. And, uh, pretty soon we'll be, we'll be making some, some new plugins that I'm pretty excited about, but that will, that'll be for later. Yeah. And there's a, speaking of plugins, I just remember something that, uh, like since you're an instructor as well, and you're also making a plugin and you're basically in that whole industry pretty deep. I want to give a suggestion just in general because uh, like a lot of the price of plugins are are fair, you know, for Europe and US and stuff like that. But as you know, on for example, on Steam, you know, a lot of games like for example, if a game is sixty dollars in US, for example, if you log in and a Steam pro, a Steam profile in Turkey or Argentina, or mm. you know, a, a, basically a country that isn't is not sanctioned but also has bad economy, the prices are different. Like for example, um, there was this game I wanted to buy, which I, which I couldn't because of the sanctions. But the price was on Steam was three point four dollars for me. But if I if I wanted a friend for me to buy it somewhere else, it was six dollars. So my suggestion is, if it's possible to like make the prices localized for each place, because I would literally pay for a lot of add-ons if I could. But yeah, um, because for example, here um, I I am based in Istanbul. I live in Turkey, and the economy is not so good, honestly. And mm. like for example. 20 even 20 dollars like you might let me actually tell you 20 like every i think one dollar is 18 turkish euros now like let me just quickly do the math it's like 360 like you know um liras you know for like a 20 dollar for example material pack or something okay how does, that, how does that convert into like um how much is like i don't know like a week worth of groceries for me. Like, no for me that's a week worth of groceries that's okay yeah or four or five days of grocery. Yeah, and I mean, it depends on the person, of course. I mean, I'm actually eating pretty cheap as well. Like, you know, I, I'm a single guy in a flat studio apartment. I don't, you know, eat fancy or something. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that that's a lot of money, even $20, because I know it sounds well. But um, I think with localized prices, you the, the, like a lot of the developers would even get, like in the long term, I think then a positive would be much more if people would localize money but of course there's a lot of challenges because when people find out that the prices are localized they might you know use a vpn or you know um you know do tricks to you know get the uh, sure. like the thing for lower so that's also an issue as well and 
like here's the thing for example the gale of alexandra of course i mentioned i actually emailed them uh, i didn't get a response back which is fine you know they're busy as hell probably they get like ten thousand emails and that and do you know the way i the method i bought it how it was basically like since i think the end of 2021 on january 2022 steam and gumroad and a lot of these websites have been disabled the transactions are disabled in turkey mm-hmm. which is wild because i before that i could you know i bought a brushback on gumroad like last year on summer and i could I bought a lot of games on Steam when they were on sale. You know, the prices were localized in Turkey before. But now a lot of international websites have been, like, cut off from, like, you know, Turkey's payment system. And uh, the way I managed to buy the course was, which was $60, which I had some savings. But because I knew the course was great and I was going to get a lot of value out of it, that was a good investment for me. I could still, you know, manage it. It it was nearly... the. The price sixty dollars is like nearly a month for worth of rent for me, nearly, not completely like ninety percent yet. And the thing was, I had to send crypto like like sixty dollars in Ethereum to one of my friends in Canada, and he bought the course on Gumroad and he gifted wow. it to me. That's how I got the course. Okay. Because I yeah, literally yeah. like listen, I literally didn't want to pirate the course at all. I want I wanted to support the creators. I wanted to do it right. You know, and unfortunately, like piracy is a main, uh, main thing right now in this whole you know industry and, and everything, which is kind of like you know, uh, unfortunate. But yeah, I, I, I didn't want to like you know succumb to you know piracy for something that is genuinely value. So I found a way. But like for example, even when it comes to crypto, if uh, somehow, yeah, whatever I'm saying, the way the more I think about it, it's getting more complex for anyone who wants to localize the prices. Because the challenges mm-hmm. is too much, and it's not worth it now that I think of it. But if I mean, that it, would... it could be it could be an option. Um, I know we've thought about it before when it comes to uh, at least cgcookie.com and and those uh, like subscription prices. Um, I don't know where that stands now, but I know that's been brought up a few times, and and we've seriously considered it. And I don't think it was like enough of a discussion to have like a, a definitive yes or no. Um, but it was just like, oh, this is something that we should think about. Um, but as far as the blunder market goes, I could I could see that possibly being an option for creators. So they each creator could individually choose whether or not they want to do that. Um, and I mean, I think that's a great idea. Like people should at least have the option or creators should at least have the option to make their things accessible for people in, in other countries. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, but I mean, it gets trickier because like, for example, let's say, let's say, for example, hypothetically, someone's made an add-on and for example, I would email them and say, all right, here's the thing. I, the only way I can pay is crypto. And they would, you know, say, all right, it's fine. Then after I got the, got the thing for cheap, you know, with crypto, then if I turn out to be an asshole and I would just, you know, uh, use a source code and just, you know, distribute it everywhere, that's a whole other problem as well. So I can definitely understand why creators would not like try to do those stuff because they're 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 a bit fishy and like you know not reliable that much but yeah it's a shame but like but the thing that steam does listen i think the steam platform is kind of interesting because you can't really use a vpn to trick the system like if you're in us you know or your profile is made in you know uh, us you can't really cheat the system before that you could but now they don't i don't know what technology they're using but it's anti-vpn and everything like if that's interesting if that could be somehow implemented, that the plan could actually work, the localization of prices and everything, you know? Yeah. Do they only let you play 
games in like the countries that you bought it from. So like if you bought it with the VPN uh, in in Turkey, like you can only play it if your IP is set to uh, Turkey. But if you were so. like, no, no, no. If you nah, I think as oh. long as something is on your like Steam library, it's over. Hmm. And yeah, and the sad thing is, uh, I don't know. Do you know the game Disco Elysium? Have you heard uh, of it? I've heard of it. I've never played it, but yeah. But, by the way, highly recommend it. Okay. <laughs> um, the game is uh, sixty. Was I think not sixty dollars, like maybe forty bucks or something on the Steam. But for me, it was like sixty-three Turkish liras, which, if you want to convert it to dollars, is like three point four dollars. That's how localization nice. works. And the weird thing is, I actually had the art director of the game like in a couple of episodes back, and I actually told him and ap- apologized to him for like pirating the game because I literally told him I tried everything. And there was no way for me to actually play the game. And it was so frustrating for me. And it was like, oh, don't worry. I'm from Eastern Europe. We pirate everything. So I, I understand. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of sad. I think like there's so many like bad things and just fishy things about the whole web 3.0 and decentralization of everything and all that. There's like so many um, like weird things I don't even personally want to talk about, you know, in that whole area and the circle. But sure. there's actual potential in decentralized internet and everything because if we could we manage to actually have decentralized like systems like that, we could really circumnavigate all the like you know the piracy issues, all the localization issues like that you know pretty easily, because the sanctions are made by governments, and when governments don't control things, I can buy yeah. add-ons, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. Um... Yeah, we did have to like remove uh, a couple a couple creators from Blender Market that, or just like temporarily suspend them because of sanctions. And it's like obviously they didn't do anything. Like that, it's, it's yeah, kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm or sure even seeing on on Twitter that like Steam was banned in a, a couple countries or whatever, and now they just can't play games. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a very common thing in um, my home country is actually Iran. I'm I'm Iranian. And I'm just based in Istanbul. Yeah, everything. Like, I remember, like, once I was, like, wanted to play, like, an online Star Wars game when I was 16. And I was, like, the country name, like, here's, things, here's a, like, a really sneaky thing. A lot of websites let your country be on the list. So when you choose it, they know that, oh, I'm not going to let this guy in. You know, because mm. if you just don't have it on the list, they're like, oh, he's not going to come in. You know, some, it's kind of weird, but... Like, oh, like fascinating yeah you couldn't even play a star wars game because of sanctions you know because because of your uh, yeah it, it's it's so weird man like just living in this part of the world it's so it's like a circus oh, yeah and i'm sure different people feel differently about it like i'm sure different creators have all sorts of opinions but i feel like the majority probably have the opinion of like oh you know if you are able to pay for it like then you should but if you literally can't or if it's like you know so egregiously expensive like I'd rather people be able to like use the things that I've made or, you know, at least be able to like benefit from it in some way um, rather than, you know, not being able to at all. Like, of course, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely a tricky, tricky thing to figure out where, where the balance is there. Yeah, I understand. And I, I mean, of course, as like a create, as a creator or just, you know, an organization, like, you know, like a group of people or anything like, for example, CG Cookie, if you guys are, if you guys profit, uh, profit is like a net positive you of course you you every everyone tries to plan plan ahead and make it make that net positive a lot more you know that it is but when it's a net positive you usually don't really tend to care that much about this complexities because the, and it's natural you know mm-hmm. and so so i get that but at the same time like i wish there was a way that we could kind of like you know 
let's solve this issue of not just price, by the way. I'm not talking just price. The first thing I think that should fix is the the tra- method of transaction, which we already have it, but it's it can get a little bit problematic because of la- first lack of experience of people with it, and second, um, the fishy nature of the whole. Uh, community of it and i'm talking about crypto of course i mean right mm. now listen uh, it doesn't matter what part of this jog what part of the geography of this planet i'm on i can send you money very easily in an instant and that's amazing and like all yeah. right say whatever bad you want about the whole thing that comes out of that community <laughs> but all in all like the technology is great and, and it's really helpful yeah, it's been it's been fascinating to see because I think even when it started in 2014, 20, 2014, 2015, um, the blunder market accepted, I think it either accepted Bitcoin as payment or a, like allowed the creators to be paid out to a Bitcoin address. And I don't I think we removed that at some point. Um, I'd have to actually go back and check, but I saw that in the settings the other day um, when I was like updating the the new account has like oh that's still there like so it was it was an option for a while um i don't remember why it was taken taken out but it was for the exact same reasons of like oh this allows anybody to participate um and it was very um yeah optimistic and and all of that but some people certainly take it sideways and yeah it's yeah yeah, I can understand. And I was just wondering, you know, um for example as a CG cookie, all right, you're operating under the if I'm if I'm not wrong under the guise and rules of the United States of America's mm-hmm. governmental rules, right? Technically. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, for example, if a country let, let's say Russia recently, you know, got sanctioned by everybody. So, if you don't if you guys don't comply with the fact that you should like, you know, do also apply the sanctions on any Russian-based artist or creator. What what theoretically could happen to you guys? Like if you guys if you guys don't comply with that, I'm just just wondering. Ooh, that's a good question. I actually don't know, um, so I can't really give you a good answer. Like, um, they would probably give us like a fine or something. Yeah, hefty it, fine. It, the, they probably wouldn't. Realistically, are they gonna like really find out? Are they gonna like search and hunt us down and be like you? let a Russian person sell something like I, I don't think <laughs> they would really um, have the resources to track down every single thing. So the chances of them actually finding out are very small, but still we, you know, comply with all of the rules. And um, if we broke it, yeah, there'd probably be a fine. Um, we'd have to pay something, but realistically they're not going to like kick in my door <laughs> or whatever. FBI open up. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually don't know. And let's not find out because, yeah, it's probably going to be a hefty fine. I mean, it's America. There's going to be fines for everything. And, yeah, that um, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, but it's going to be interesting to see if there's go- there's going to be a result to this issue in the next couple of years. I mean, months, who knows? And I hope uh, so. Yeah, personal as well. And all right. Let me ask you another question. Let's take a break from all this like artsy stuff for a second and all this controversial topics. <laughs> um, what area besides the area you're working on right now, which is of course art and just in the whole field of art, would you mean aside from those, what would you be interested? What you would be interested to explore and learn in the future? That's what I'm trying to ask. Um, just like outside of art and, and design and whatnot. Yeah. 
I mean, I touched on this a little bit before, but I got sucked into coding a bit uh, a few years ago, just on my own, just to make my own like personal website and stuff. Um, and so I've been I've been digging through that the last like probably couple years, just really slowly. Um, I've been wanting to make like an Android app, so just like figuring that out as I go. Um, so that's kind of my main like hobby slash side project that I work on every every now and then when I can. That's like not at all art related and doesn't come naturally, but it's kind of fun. All right. And well, we've reached the final question and section of the podcast, which is, you know, called time capsule. All right. I mean, you probably know what a time capsule is, but um, all right. But just let me phrase my question this way as well. I mean, that should give you an idea what it's going to be about. Imagine in a hypothetical scenario which in that you have like a couple of minutes a few minutes a limited amount of time a a limited window of time and in that window of time you have the opportunity to say anything as yourself a human to another human being and that another human being is and any other person who might be listening to this podcast at any point of time in future maybe they've been listening to us ramble about like you know the technicalities of crypto and payments and they're now at minute 49 and they've reached here so to those people, like, what do you have to say? It could be anything, by the way. I know it's a big question, so take your time. That is a big question. Um, I think if I had to, like, I don't know, yell something into the void, <laughs> of um, that I think is helpful, I, I guess I would just reflect on the fact that, like, pretty much every good thing that I've had happen in my life like positive um memories or even like you know career moves or like any pretty much anything positive um has always come as a result of other people like um either in their generosity or or kindness or just like willing to sit down and, and listen to me talk or like whatever um and i think just thinking about that more uh definitely helps me but also um, I would encourage basically everybody else to uh, to start like viewing their life that way as like as something that's just like a collection of other people, um, and then I don't know, figure out how how you can be that positive person for somebody else. All right, and well, thank you so much for coming by. Where can people contact you if they had any questions? Is your Instagram okay? Sure. Um, Instagram, I honestly, I don't check Instagram that often. Uh, so probably Twitter, but either way. Yeah. Same username on both. All right. Awesome. So the links to both Twitter and Instagram are down in the caption so you can find it pretty easily. And well, I need to also quickly mention, I do this on every episode, but I kind of remembered it now at the end. Um, this is, this was episode 194 and this is today. The day of recording is August 19th. So, if you're watching this episode on the first day of upload, it must be September 26th. That's the day of the upload of this episode. And well, that's about it. Thank you, thank, thank you again so much for coming by. And thank you to anyone who tuned in and listened to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Till next episode, take care everyone. Stay safe. Bye.